again this is digging for something i am your host jj uh it's been a while since my last podcast um almost a week i think but you know things come up um various topics and all that so and i just took a little bit of a break but i am back for all of you who missed me so in previous podcast, I, I have mentioned that I'm a big sports fan. I uh, I watch a lot of sports. Uh, that's why uh, when COVID hit and uh, all the leagues shut down, oh, it was torture. Especially working from home and you, all this extra time you could you can't go anywhere. It just I I got I, mean, I enjoyed watching repeats of old games and old uh, championship uh, runs from uh, my favorite teams, but. Yeah, it was rough. So I do like watching sports and with baseball, all, all the sports returning. Um, well, it's a good time. And uh, I am a, a Miami Heat fan. Um, now, one thing I do is many times I record games. Uh, very rarely do I sit there and at the exact time a game starts and I'm, I'm there to watch it. You know, sometimes I'm busy. Sometimes um, you get caught up on things. Um, so I always record it and then watch it. But it's it's very tricky because sometimes people can tell you what happens with, uh, with um, you know, before you actually watch the game. And then it's like, huh, why bother now? Um, it, it actually happened on Sunday when uh, some someone inadvertently told me the result of the Dolphin game uh, while I was watching it, <laughs> um, and it, it was actually it was a, it was a pretty good game at the time, but when I knew the result, it was just like ah, why bother? So uh, uh, I'm, uh, I kind of learned from that to be very careful of uh, what I do, what uh, text or anything, uh, yeah stay out away from websites and things like that. Um, and with the uh, Miami Heat, uh, first game of uh, the conference finals, which began yesterday against the Boston Celtics, uh, I didn't. I actually didn't start watching the game till probably live it was in the fourth quarter. So I had a very late start watching that game. Um, and... Um, what a great game it was! Um, it was it was a game of quarters, um, where, where the Boston Celtics they pretty much won the first and third quarter, and then uh, Miami Heat won second, fourth, and overtime. It was an overtime game. Um, I was not a big fan of the call at the end of regulation, uh, which which allowed Boston to tie the game. It was a foul uh, prior to the inbounds pass, which means it's the, the Celtics got a free throw and the ball back. That free throw tied it. They missed the, the shot to win it, but um, I did not like the call. Uh, one, it was a Celtic who initiated the contact. Um, but it is what it is, and uh, 
you know, games are not decided by one call. Yeah, we get frustrated and we like to blame it, but, you know, rarely except for the University of Miami against Ohio State in, with the 2002, 2003, uh, for the college uh, football uh, for the national championship. Yeah, that was a robbery. That was a horrible call. But I digress. Um, and it was a great game. I mean, the Miami Heat are definitely surprising many people. This postseason, they're definitely surprising me. Uh, the way they play, it's just, uh, you know, people talk about the Miami Heat culture. And, and even nationally, it's 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 spoken about. And that game, um, you know, I'm glad I didn't know the result. Um, it, was, it was definitely a nail-biter. Uh, even if you're not a fan of either teams, it was a great game to watch. And the ending of overtime with uh, Bam... Uh, Abadayo, Abadayo. For anybody who didn't see it, you know, rarely do defensive plays just make you go, whoa, you know, your jaw drop. He made a block on a game-tying attempted dunk. And I'm not talking a weak dunk. I'm talking somebody went up. And, you know, I'm not talking about some, you know, slight uh, six-foot-tall person. This was somebody who, you know, Jason Tatum, he's – He's a great player. He's uh, going to be a perennial all-star. And it, it's very difficult to block dunk, dunks. Many people don't want to block dunks because or attempt to block dunks because they don't want to be posterized as getting dunked on. But bam, he went up. And when you see it live, you're like, whoa. You know, it's real time, uh, real speed. And it was just like, that was the block of blocks. And yeah, maybe a little bit of hyperbole to say it's the best block I've ever seen in my life, but you know, that's just pretty much recency bias. Um, there was probably better, or just as good, and there will be better, or just as good. So, um, but it's just that moment and just blocking a dunk and not from behind. Uh, Jason Tam saw him there, and when you see the replay from a specific angle, you see the ball pretty much almost in the rim. Just Bam's hand was the only thing in between the ball and going through the rim. And I, he must have the strongest wrist of anybody in the league because he was able to look from what looked like his wrist about to be broken to, and this was his offhand, to have the strength to just push it out and make the block. And it was just like the whole bench was just, you know, it was an incredible block um, and kind of disappointing that the Clippers losing to Denver um, and getting knocked out at the playoffs in game seven pretty much was most of the headlines, even though that was even a, um, a conference uh, final, but um, because the Clippers underachieved, uh, kind of, you know, nationally that got a lot more play um, when the, the Heat Celtics game should have gotten a lot more play even though the block was highlighted and um, many people, Magic Johnson said <laughs> the best play, defensive um, play in a playoff game he's ever seen. And, and once again, this is recency bias, but when you see it, it just, <sighs> wow. Wow. Um, look forward to uh, game two, which is going to be Thursday. Um, should be a good series. Uh, obviously I'm rooting for the Miami Heat and uh, you know, Hey, 
they've only they've they're so far they're they're nine and one in the playoffs. So uh, who knows? Uh, hopefully the luck continues. Or actually, it's not even luck. The great play continues, and um, and they can win this series. But uh, it should be interesting. Uh, it's a good matchup. Uh, these two teams should create a very good series. So. I guess we're going with the sports theme this podcast. And uh, week one of the NFL is officially in the books. And the NFL is back uh, after a lot of back and forth. And will they play? Should they play? Uh, Union needs this. Owners are expecting this. Can we do a bubble? Can we not do a bubble? How can we test all all the players? And uh, let's be honest, football is not like baseball or basketball. Um, even though baseball has more than a couple dozen players and coaches, or, you know, you're talking about probably uh, three dozen people in dugouts. You know, football, um, I think their game day, their game day roster is 53 players, and you're probably talking about 10, 12, 14 coaches, uh, trainers. Um, equipment people, so you're talking probably on each sideline, 80 people, um, and then you have referees, and not only that, you know this is a contact physical sport. So one player um, can have contact with dozens of players on his own team and uh, and the opposing team. So the the risk of transmission in football is much more. Um, than basketball or baseball or soccer. And, um, you know, you're huffing, you're puffing, you're spitting, you're, you know, you got sweat. It's just, um, so the risk is there. Uh, but they, uh, they were able to get the season started. Um, unfortunately, well, for, for some people, unfortunately, for other people, fortunately, uh, the players, I'm sure, were very happy not to have um, a preseason exhibition season. Now, I've, I've always said the exhibition season, it's just two, four games. It just, it's just too many. Um, I used to be a season ticket holder, and I had no motivation to go to preseason games um, because – Preseason games are filled with players that are going to get are, – are at the end of the – the players on the end of the bench and ones who won't even make the team are, are the ones who play the most. Um, it's sloppy. It's like you don't know who they are. Um, the starters, the rotational players, they probably play a at most a third of uh, the preseason. But, I mean, for them – it, it, it kind of uh, removes some of the rust, so it is important. But um, four games is just way too much. You don't need four games. Um, and the problem with if you have season tickets, you, you pay the same price for preseason that, that for exhibition games that you pay, pay for regular season games. So it's just – so I've never been a big proponent of that. And um, I know the, the players um, – they're not happy, uh, especially veteran players. They're not happy for all those preseason games. Uh, but to mitigate some of the risk, they decided to 
uh, cancel all of the exhibition games. Now, ex you know, there are definitely pluses and minuses. Um, you know, without preseason, all those fringe players, those undrafted rookies, um, you know, th those who are just fighting their way to get a roster spot, to get noticed. Well, preseason is really where they get it. Um, yeah, practice is one thing, but practice is not a game. Um, so from, from what I've looked at and the teams I follow, um, there, there weren't as many of those diamonds in the rough uh, that made it to teams because there, there wasn't there wasn't a place for them to showcase for them to stand out. Um, you know, that, that's, that's one of the, that's definitely one of the, um, the byproducts, I guess the negative byproducts of not having preseason. Um, some players dreams might've just, you know, crashed and burned without the preseason to give them a chance. Uh, you know, there's always next year and next preseason, but uh, many times you just you have very small windows to to get yourself noticed. I mean, football players, I think the average career is three and a half years. So you take that opportunity away from this year, you just you just bite into that that uh, that potential of a career. Um, yeah, and that's that's a sad thing. Um, there's many players who who have come from nowhere to have not only productive careers, but some Hall of Fame careers. Um, it's not to say that because of no preseason, uh, you had dozens of players whose dreams were crushed and uh, future Hall of Famers um, without the ability to, to get noticed and make a team. No, I mean, that's because we're not talking about a high volume amount of players. Um, but, you know, there's some, and uh, that, that's the only problem with it. But um, without the preseason, honestly, watching games, I expected there to be a lot more rust. Uh, so it wasn't really very evident that there was a, uh, um, a lack of a preseason to get, get the players ready. And these, I mean, especially the veterans, they've been through um, so many training camps and um, they know how to prepare themselves to be ready for the season. It's not like years ago where many players had off-season jobs because they weren't making very much money playing football or any other sport for for, uh, for that, uh, for, the, for the matter. And... Um, so they needed these exhibitions, these preseasons to not only get themselves in shape, but um, you know, get a lot of rust off. Uh, but the players now, um, a lot of them take it upon themselves to have workouts. Uh, many quarterbacks will, will uh, organize, um, you know, even though there were social distancing guidelines and um, a maximum number of people or restrictions in many places. Um, many, many quarterbacks were getting together with their offensive players to uh, 
to work on routes and um, trying to get their timing and chemistry together. Uh, so, and, and once again, that's just, you know, how players are nowadays. Um, the level of professionalism um, to not only do their job well, but to be prepared to do their job well and, and to be great. Uh, yeah, that, uh, that, that was definitely evident. Um, so even though I'm not going to say all the games were very crisp, but, uh, you seeing, you see a lot of, you know, you know, see Pittsburgh's defense playing great. Uh, you see offenses, uh, like in New Orleans and, uh, Kansas city and Baltimore just clicking. And, uh, so it kind of makes you wonder, uh, are, are, are these teams just going to get better once the uh, pro, proverbial, proverbial uh, rust is removed? Um, or is it just all going to balance out and the the um, quality of game is just going to stay consistent? Uh, so we'll see. Um, one of the things I definitely notice is quarterbacking – yeah, the quarterbacking of today, I, I think, is just incredible. Um, we have there's always that term franchise quarterback, and uh, you you can pretty much you know, count on a hand or two of who's considered a franchise quarterback. But then you have you know the first year after that, the next year, and next year. Um, but I remember growing up you either had a franchise quarterback or you didn't have a quarterback. Uh, nowadays, it looks like the quarterbacking is, uh, is, I mean, it is so far ahead of what it used to be. Uh, the fringe quarterbacks that were, you know, not, um, who are not considered franchise, uh, Ryan Tannehill's, the Baker Mayfield's, the um who else um what's that quarterback i'm thinking about the gardner Minshews, the um no kirk cousins uh you know can go on and on you know they're not considered franchise quarterbacks right now but you know 20 30 years ago they would be from you know what they're doing right now. They would be considered franchise quarterbacks back then. So even the ones who are not franchise quarterbacks, I mean, if you look at if you look at fantasy football as an indicator. Um. Now, most fantasy football, you know, not, I'm not talking about the novice fantasy football players. I'm talking the fantasy football players who are in multiple leagues and things like that there. If you look at first round picks, 90% of them are running back or receiver. Um, because the difference from a top running back or a top receiver to the next wave and the third wave is huge, is huge. Those are the players that make or break your team. Um, but quarterbacks, many quarterbacks, uh, I mean, I've played fantasy football for many years. I, 
I don't think I ever drafted a quarterback um, before the fourth round. And, you know, depending how many, how many rounds, the, um, the, the rosters, the number of players. Now, obviously, you're going to have a lot more players. Uh, if we have, have 14 people participating, um, yeah, probably get a quarterback a little earlier just because um, things thin out really quick. Uh, because after you get past like the Patrick Mahomes and um, the Drew Brees, the, the, the really great, the Lamar Jacksons, the great, great quarterbacks, um, you know, the next tier, you can, you can still, get, you get a lot of points out of them. Um, I've won with quarterbacks I've taken in the ninth round and they, they provided more points than ones taken many rounds earlier. Um, just the, the quarterback in play now, I mean, obviously you take quarterbacks who can get uh, many points with their legs, you know, just Deshaun Watson, Lamar Jackson, um, Patrick Mahomes, probably not as much, but he has the potential. Um, Josh Allen and Buffalo, uh, those type of players. And I mean, Josh Allen for one, he's not, he's not even considered a franchise quarterback. One you take very high, but uh, him and Dak Prescott as well, actually, uh, they get so many yards and touchdowns with their legs. And for a quarterback, <laughs> you'd rather they get a rushing touchdown than a, a throwing touchdown because it's a two point difference, six points to, to four points. So, uh, you know, those running t- uh, touchdowns, you're, you're very happy about those. Um, but, I mean, but, but for the most part, you, those are – you don't have that many running quarterbacks. Um, so – but you have so many quality quarterbacks who are not considered franchise quarterbacks, uh, whether they're game managers or um, placeholders. I mean, for the Dolphins, you take Ryan Fitzpatrick, for instance. You know, he's somebody, if he gets drafted, he's getting drafted in uh, in the teens rounds in fantasy football. But he gets the right matchup. He can be, you know, a top five fantasy quarterback any given week. Um, you know, he could also be a bottom five <laughs> most weeks as well. But uh, that's the way fantasy football goes. So, but quarterbacking is, is incredible um, how it is right now. And it's just... You just have more, more and more you know, getting into the pipeline, um, and there's been a lot of young quarterbacks drafted the last three years, and many of them have high ceilings. So I think the quarterback uh, position is just going to get better and better. Um, you know, as running back play goes down, and you know you don't have the workhorse running backs anymore. Um, there's many running backs by committees, um, and shelf life for a running back is. <sighs> You know, they're perishable. <laughs> they're not canned goods, that's for sure. Um, so, you know, running back, it's definitely different now than it was uh, many years ago. Uh, many of the great running backs now, um, you have very few that are actually just running backs. Um, many of those running backs are stand out even more because of their their role in the passing game, uh, the number of catches, yardage, and things like that. You know, Christian McCaffrey. Um, 
uh, Saquon Barkley. Now, this year, it looks like um, Zeke Elliott from Dallas is going to be utilized more in the passing game. And I think that that was a problem last year. They didn't utilize him enough, but he's great out of the backfield. Um, so they need to design things for that. So you have, although you don't have um, the volume of running backs that there have been in years past where you know, consider great running backs now, I mean, most running backs are practically journeymen, but you have a lot, the, the dynamic ones are the ones that really stick out. Um, but even with that, they're not carrying the ball 30 times like running back to old. Um, uh, Zeke Elliott uh, has Tony Pollard behind him, and uh, so gets relieved a lot. Um, so, but it's going to be an interesting season. Um, now, unlike baseball, which had a 60-game season, and uh, with baseball you're able to do double headers and things like that, uh, there were a couple teams that that lost out, Florida Marlins, or I'm sorry, Miami Marlins and St. Louis Cardinals. A lot of games were postponed early in the season because of outbreaks on those teams. Um, I was actually expecting a lot more outbreaks, but no. Uh, even though there was no bubble, um, I think their bubbles were more local. Um, I think baseball has handled it well. Uh, but in, in the cases where there were outbreaks, um, Schedule-wise, they were able to compensate it for, especially because it was early in the season. Now, football, that is, you know, and as I said a little bit earlier, uh, the potential is a lot higher there for transmission than the other sports. And football is a grueling sport, so it's not like you can play two. (laughs) There's no double-headers in football. And um, many players have complained when they've had to play – a game on Sunday and then play a Thursday night game. Um, you know, even though they could get 10 days off after that, it's just playing two games so close together. It's tough on the body. The quality of play is just not the same. Um, and, uh, you know, many players are completely against uh, games so close together. But with COVID this year, you know, if there's an outbreak on a team, what happens? What happens if the Atlanta Falcons had an outbreak and um, you know, 15 of their players or 20 of their players tested positive and then you have to quarantine all the others and they have a game tomorrow? Um, it's Or they tested positive today and they played, they played Cincinnati Bengals yesterday. Oh, what's going to happen with that? Two teams have to go in quarantine. Um, what goes with the schedule? How's that going to change? Um, if it's multiple weeks, you know, you can you can probably get away with it if it's a one-time, one-game thing where you just, okay, you miss a game and we'll play it in the middle of the week and then you can move other games to Monday night, okay? Kind of like the way baseball was moving things around. Uh, baseball was very creative. Um, but the logistics and just the... Just the the grind the body takes. Um, it'll be interesting seeing what happens in football. And you know, there's only there's 16 games. Um, every game is a playoff. Uh, yeah, maybe there's instances where games are canceled and not even made up um, because let's say it's two teams that have no chance at the playoffs. So, or it's two teams that already have their playoff positions. 
solidified. And whether they win or lose an extra game won't make a difference. But if it does, it has uh, an impact on the standings. How is it going to be done? Um, can the season be extended and playoffs be uh, delayed? Um, so that that is definitely uh, an interesting thing to look out for. And I guess we'll see what happens with that. Now, you know, with the current times, we, you know, there, there was going to be different uh, symbolic protests associated with BLM. Um, the whole kneeling thing started in football. Um, you know, what was going to be done? And I think there were names on helmets and uh, various things that were done by players. And, um, you know, for me, um, and I've heard from other people, I think Shannon Sharp had mentioned it when they were talking about NBA. These are just symbols and they don't mean anything. It's not an action. It's just a symbol. And I, I tend to agree with that. I think they're, they're more distractions than anything else. And there were many teams who decided uh, to stay in the locker room during the national anthem, and uh, which honestly, I'm perfectly fine with because then it becomes who kneeled, who didn't kneel. Um, and it takes away from everything because then somebody who kneeled um, or if 20 people kneeled and two people didn't, then why didn't you kneel? How come? Are you not, you know, it's to answer these questions. It's just, it's just a distraction. And once again, these are just symbols. Whether somebody kneels or not, it, it doesn't show what they do. It doesn't show that they're in the community or show that they're uh, working with government officials or or just not everybody's an, an advocate. I mean, I'll, I'll admit it. I'm not an adv- advocate. It, you know, there's things that maybe impact me, but I, I, I'm, that's not my personality type. Not everybody needs to be an advocate. And it's it's not a knock on them. Yeah, you you hail the advocates, the, well, the advocates who do things right and um, and. Uh, have causes worth or deemed um, except it was the wrong word, but uh, deemed important. Um, but not everybody's like that. Uh, not everybody's meant to be carrying picket signs or rah, rah, rah. Uh, at the end, sometimes it's just a belief. And that belief is, is portrayed in how you treat people. Uh, once again, I'm not an advocate, but um, there's many things I, I agree with. Uh, there's some things I, I, I don't. Uh, I think with many of the protests uh, or many things in the in in the need to improve, are, are we going too far with it? So, I mean, that, that's a topic for another podcast because uh, it's not only with BLM, it's, it's with other things. Um, so, uh, you know, these are symbols. It's, it's, it's what are you doing? It's actions. Um, I know in the Pittsburgh Steelers there was there's some controversy because uh, somebody's name who was the team voted on to put on their helmet, but one player who was was in the armed forces decided to put another name on there who died in service. Um, and you know what that that's controversy. And you know, I'd rather not have these symbols and not have to deal with it and not have people needing to explain themselves because once again, this is all personal and these are symbols that don't mean anything in the grand scheme of things. Just because somebody's name is on a helmet doesn't mean anything because somebody's 
It's just a name on a helmet. Whether um, that person was killed or uh, was completely innocent or not completely innocent, uh, because then you're you're also going to have people looking at the person. Oh, and this person was not a saint. This person was not an innocent person. Didn't deserve to die, but we're honoring somebody who was not a good person. Um, so then that distracts and then you, you get people against them. So, you know, there, there's things that can be done, um, but some of these symbols I just don't think are counterproductive and, um, and you kind of distract and things like that. Um, so once again, uh, the, the ones who stayed, the, the players, who, the teams, the players who stayed in the locker room, you know, much better. Don't have to worry about it. Play football. Uh, you get on the mic, you can say whatever you want. Um, you can get out in the community, you know, th- that, that in itself, um, is much more productive than kneeling or not kneeling or anything like that. So and speaking of kneeling, Colin Kaepernick, the one, I mean, maybe not the one, but the one who's kneeling really sparked most of this. And, you know, let me preface it by saying I'm not a Colin Kaepernick fan. Um, and it has nothing to do with him kneeling for the national anthem. Um, I have said many times, I personally don't agree with kneeling for the national anthem, but I believe in the right to kneel for the national anthem. And I don't believe people should protest or not watch NFL football because some players choose to kneel. It's their right. We know I'm not a big boycott person. I don't believe in a cancel culture, all that. That's all garbage to me. Um, if somebody chooses to kneel, you know, don't watch while they're kneeling. You can watch the game. Uh, they have the same rights as everybody else in this country. And just because I may not agree with kneeling for the national anthem, that's my personal choice. Uh, because we are this country. We are who we are. The right is there. So, But Colin Kaepernick, I just don't understand why there's this, there's this thing out there like he's owed something by society. Like he's owed to, uh, he has the right to, he demand a team sign him. Like, I don't understand why. Um, and once again, I have no problem with the, the, um, the kneeling, the protest and things like that. I have no problem with that. Um, that is, like I said, that's everybody's right. And that's what he did. But to say he hasn't been with an NFL team for three years, you know, sometimes it's just that person. Now, my problem with Colin Kaepernick is, one, he wasn't that good of a quarterback. Um, He was benched numerous times. He was a great athlete playing quarterback. He had one good year, um, or very good year, but, you know, he was... He was a one read and run quarterback. He had one read. If it wasn't there, he ran. And teams catch up with that. Coaches catch up with that. And they figure him out. That's just, that's just what happens. If you're not great, you can have a great year, but people are going to figure you out. And they're going to know how to stop you. And that's just how he was. Um, so to say he deserves to be them, 
no team has to sign him. And some of the, and a lot of this on him, which is part of the reason probably I don't like him. Um, well, also, some, you know, uh, no, was it, including many of his misstep is wearing a Castro, a Fidel Castro on a shirt, on a t-shirt. And, and doubling down without apologizing. And, you know, I have Cuban blood in me. I live in Cuban, um, highly Cuban, you know, heritage. Um, the population has a lot of Cuban heritage down here. Um, that just doesn't work. And, you know, it's it's doing things. People make mistakes. And it's how you recover from that mistake. And instead of just pleading ignorance, which is fine. Say, you know what? I was given this shirt. Yeah, I was told their education system is is great, but uh, he's been one of the most oppressive dictators ever, you know, and he should not be celebrated. Instead of just saying that and, you know, being humble, it's doubling down. And there's been many, many, many missteps that he's made. He's not an articulate person. And I've always said he should not be at the forefront of any movement because he doesn't, as Marcellus Wiley said on Speak for Yourself, he doesn't have the depth. Uh, he's all surface, all surface. And, you know, it's a privilege to play in the NFL. It's not a right. And you have to put the blame on yourself sometimes. If you're not going out there and being humble, showing some humility, and saying when you mess up, instead of doubling down or not saying anything, um, you're just a distraction. And for you know, he and many of his supporters feel like he's entitled to it, but that's also how it is. Nobody wants that distraction. You think other players, many players, would say, "Oh yeah, he, he needs to be, he needs to." A team needs to sign him. But many of those players won't want him on their teams because they don't want to answer questions about him. And it's a distraction. Um, he, he loves to call out NFL and commissioner, you know, with, especially with that workout that took place. Uh, was it the beginning of this year or last year? And he calls them out. But he also turned down invitations by the current commissioner a couple of years ago, by the owner of his team, turned down invitations to – to try to work on ways to make things better. But it just, once again, he doesn't have the depth. He, he doesn't have the articulation to be able to communicate in that way. And, you know, sometimes it's just on them. He opted out of his contract with San Francisco. He was not cut. He opted out. He had an opt- a, player, a player option, and he opted out of it. Now, yeah, him and Eric Reed. No, I agree. He's a little annoying. It's just, it's just, you know, not everything's victim based, and everything is complaint. The complaint, complaint, complaint. Um, I think you can protest, but I, it, that's it's just not everything. You can't find fault with everything. Um, but yeah, they filed collusion charges against the NFL. There was a settlement, but there wasn't a settlement because he was they were colluded on uh, against and the word blackball i think is a bunch of crap um because players have there's been so many players eric reed kneeled and he he was signed by carolina many players kenny stills kneeled 
um, Michael Thomas, um, who else? Many of uh, I think Michael Jenkins, don't remember. Albert Wilson. So many players have been kneeling for a year, two years, and they're still getting jobs. You're not being blackballed. It's just you. You don't. You're not handling things right. And it, there was the only reason there was a settlement is because the owners were like, "Oh crap! Emails are going to come out and things like that. Things that they say that they're they just don't want to get embarrassed. They'd rather pay millions of dollars." Uh, than have uh, you know embarrassing moments take out or, or things that are said misconstrued or deal with any kind of um, fake outrage or, or fake controversies. So they settled. They got money, but they got money not because they were blackballed. They got money just because uh, owners don't want to deal with it. So don't tell me he's blackballed. Don't tell me there's collusion. Um, it's, it's on him. Uh, he needs to change his communication. Um, n- not make everything. I mean, come on, you, you wore freaking pig socks, really? Th- those are distractions, and you know that's no different than than calling an entire race a derogatory term. You're calling a group of people a derogatory term. Um, you're no better than the racists out there. Um, and Honestly, I couldn't care less if he ever played in the NFL. And I'm just not a fan of his. I don't think he's that good. And I don't think he's good for the, for a movement. He's definitely no Martin Luther King. Um, or, you know, even Jesse Jackson. Hell, even Al Sharpton is probably one of the most controversial civil rights leaders. Who I think as he got older, he actually got a little better. Um, but... Uh, yeah. He's not one of them at all. Um, and he's got a job. He got money from the NFL for not playing. So he got money from the settlement. He gets tens of million dollars from Nike. And the only reason he got that is because of the the perception that he's being blackballed. If he was still playing, he wouldn't come close to the amount of money he's getting from Nike. So he's he's making money. He's he he's not he's not a martyr he's making plenty of money he still makes more money than 95% of the population so let's stop feeling like society owes him let's stop feeling like feel bad for him he cre- he created um he made his own bed in many ways now and there's this need to just cater to him like he's entitled to this and um he was included in the the new version of Matt after three years. Once again, because he's owed this, I don't know why. Um, and the thing about it, he was never included because he never he never signed the union waiver to, for them to allow them to use his his likeness. He made that choice. Um, and why are we? But yet he gets. All this, like he's he's being he's being brought down by society, but it's just not true. And what Madden is doing, or EA Sports, the makers of Madden, are doing, is just ridiculous. I mean, he never signed a waiver, so he was included in this year. That means they negotiated directly with him. He, and his like, it's not for free. 
He's making he's going to make money off that as well. But once again, they going overboard to cater to him. Like they gave him this rating. Like he is a his his rating is better than Ben Roethlisberger, uh, Ryan Tannehill. Um, who else? Basically, solid, solid quarterbacks. His rating is better or equal. He he was never that good. Like, why did they give him that rating? It's just unrealistic. They gave him the best rating. They didn't give him the ratings that were that was more accurate when he when he stopped playing. And but I don't know what like why did they need to do that? Because um, all it does is create more controversy. Because he's a top half starting quarterback, so oh, he needs to, he should be playing. And you're just catering to that. And then, you know, I don't, the whole hair thing. You know, they want he wanted his his current afro included instead of the cornrows I think he had on previous version. That's fine, whatever. But his touchdown celebration. He instead of what he did in the past, he wanted his fist up. You know, the black power uh, fist up. And I have no problem with that. If somebody does that in the end zone right now, I have no problem with that. But why are we, nobody else, no other player has the ability to to call EA Sports and say, I want this as my touchdown celebration. But he's being catered to. And I'll tell you what, they just set a precedent because now, if somebody else wants it and they say no, that's discrimination. And for what? To cater to it? Is it to to show face? And once again, it's, I think it's one of those things where I kind of said earlier that we go too far to make things right, to make it righter. And we go over the line. Is that one of them? Is this current? Is is this an example? I don't know, but once again, I'm just not Colin Kaepernick, and I will reiterate when I say I have no problem with the stance he takes. Um, I don't agree with everything he says. Um, I do agree with uh, there needs to be some changes in the justice system associated with minorities. I, I have said that numerous times. Um, the last decade or so is really when I've educated myself on it. And, uh, yeah, there needs to be changes there. No doubt about it. I agree a thousand percent. But a lot of the other stuff, it's just, I mean, it's just no. Um, I mean, also, let's focus on other things that should be improved as well from within. Um, but, you know, that's, I guess that's it for my Kaepernick rant. Um, not a fan. Um, you know, I'm fine with other leaders in NFL uh, taking positions and, and taking the leadership and whatever movement. Um, I have no problem with them kneeling. Um, it's not something I would do. I don't, I don't agree for it for myself, but I agree with, uh, with the right to do it. So um, that, that will never have anything to do with my dislike of Colin Kaepernick. It's purely him. And uh, I, I, I've, I've said many times, you know, some, Everything's not about race, culture, gender. Sometimes you don't like somebody just because they're a jerk, not because they're different than you. And it's okay. People don't like me. I live with it. Not everybody's going to like you. Not everybody's going to hate you. It's just back to life. 
So let's uh, let's not always just paint something, everything with one 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 type of brush or one one um, <laughs> type of paint. Um, and with that, you know, hey, I do want to say one more thing. I got a WAP update. Yes, I had a podcast about infamous WAP, uh, the Cardi B, Megan the Stallion song. We have a WAP update. There is a WAP available on the market. Cardi B filed for divorce. Now, I think most people saw this coming. Her husband, Offset, um, part of Migos. Uh, very talented group, but uh, let's just say he's had a history of infidelity in the past, and that's uh, what caused breakups previously. You know, tigers don't change their stripes, and apparently that infidelity never stopped; it kept going. Uh, and I've and she has stayed because they share a daughter. And I've said it before. Staying married because of a child or children doesn't work. Does not work. And she kind of came to the realization, and I think she just didn't want to look like a fool because when you live in this, when you live in a spotlight, the low lights come out, and it's for everybody's consumption. And she was probably like, you know, enough is enough. I don't want to look. I don't want to look like a, you know, like a scrub, um, to the world. Uh, I'm going to be a power. I'm going to be a strong woman and say, like, you want to do your thing? You're not with me no more. And more power to her. So anybody out there who uh, cares uh, that WAP is available, go ahead and uh, make your move. Um, don't know if you have a chance or not, but good luck to you all out there. <laughs> and with that, I will end this edition of Digging for Something. Uh, it's been, once again, over a week, and hopefully uh, I shook off my rust early and uh, created a decent show. And if you have uh, any questions, comments, feedback, topics you'd like to discuss, feel free to send me an email to digginforsomething at AO.com. Um, if you're listening via Anchor app, you can always leave a voice message. Uh, and I thank you for listening to Digging for Something. I am JJ, and I will see you. When I see you.